Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. Check us out at westminstereffects.com. You can join in the discussion of the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. And make sure you, you subscribe on iTunes, you share the show around, help us help us get a little more traction here and there. Uh, I am. We are not joined by... The right Reverend Mr. Pastor Bradley Cox <laughs> in, at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. Um, he's out golfing today. Actually Jeez. golfing at the Cliffs, which is, uh, and for free. He, he somehow managed to swing golfing for at the Cliffs for pretty, free. Pretty bougie, I think. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, but we are joined via the internet by... Hey everybody, John Ross here, Westminster Effects artist, Augsburgian Christian, speaking through a, uh, a Rode NT1 now, upgraded the microphone. Oh, very nice. Uh, thanks to one Lars Gallagher, so that's, uh, that's oh, a thanks, fun Lars. one. Uh, yeah, from Lincoln, Nebraska, so uh, here I am. Yeah, well there we go. So, um, John, as I understand it, your church finally regathered this week. We did. Yeah, uh, as did mine. So I guess church this week is going to be the main topic of holy crap, we're back in church. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> so so how did uh, how did Christ Lincoln uh, handle all that? Well, so we uh, we started not really a tiered sort of thing, but we wanted to make sure that our volunteers had the training necessary to do cleaning, sanitization, that sort of stuff. So. Uh, Starting on, oh, geez, it would have been, uh, so this past Sunday was the 7th. The one before it would have been, I think, the 31st. And then uh, the one before that, the 22nd, something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So the 22nd was, uh, so we had been pre-recording our services. Um, right. as, as many churches had, and then just live stream, quote live streaming the recording um, at yeah. the at the service time. Uh, on the twenty second, that was our first day back doing a doing an actual live stream of a service, and we did that with a number of warm bodies in the room, uh, mostly our volunteers, our greeters, things like that, to make sure that they were familiar with uh, the protocols that church leadership had put in place to uh, to keep everyone safe, keep everything clean, so on and so forth. Uh, then the 31st was where uh, those volunteers, also the volunteers for the band and uh, production team, uh, could invite their families uh, to come. So. Uh, once again, live stream service. We did two services uh, that mm-hmm. day to get back into the normal uh, cadence. And that was to give another weekend of training, so to speak. But at the same time, uh, also have it be real life training with people in the room. And then this past Sunday on the 7th, we welcomed uh, people back. Uh, they did have to sign up. Uh, so our, our worship space holds about 600 people. We capped it at uh, 225, I think, uh, per service. Um, and we moved our early service from 930 um, to 9 o'clock to allow extra time between services for uh, cleaning and, and whatnot. Um, so yeah. our congregation had to sign up uh, via the website. 
and not like a ticket or anything, but essentially it was um, basically a head count. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And technically, for us to be at safe capacity or to be at capacity with a safe distance, 250 was mm-hmm. actually our number. And so I, th- I I don't think we were actually at uh, at the 250 capacity. People were still, you know, keeping keeping their distance, being mindful of uh, of the, the conditions and the pandemic, regardless of whether it's trending downwards or upwards, depending on where you look and who you listen to. Um, so... One thing I can say is that that went really well. That went really, really well. We also did communion. Our communion assistants were masked and gloved. Um, we even uh, had the little uh, the little cups in the trays were were social distancing from one another. We had a space in between all of them, so when someone oh, reached down, they would only reach theirs. And uh, so that was uh, so that was kind of. Uh, uh, that was kind of funny uh, that our communion cups were social distancing as well. But uh, I tell you what, gosh darn it, it was good to be with people again. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, uh, you know, it, even even from the perspective of like, I didn't really interact with the congregation too much because um, honestly, that's not really what us as as leaders were there for it was we could have you know we throw a mask on and and, but we didn't really want to hobnob and encourage people to stick around you know um yeah because although although we are craving that fellowship it's still not necessarily the best idea um at this time so um I, I I along with the majority of the rest of the band and and uh, service leadership kind of just hung out backstage and, and whatnot, uh, but from the perspective of being on the platform, the music just felt more alive because there were people <laughs> there singing. Yep. Oh, right! It was it was great. Um, it was it was a riot of a service to like and there was there just wasn't anything like above and beyond unique about it we were right. just back together and uh, but everyone's like oh my gosh the sermon was so good the music was so good you know uh, and and yeah you know glory to god that that maybe it was um, i uh I also wrote a wrote a song. I, I posted it in the in the the lounge, and like two people commented on it. So yeah, thanks, yeah, guys. yeah. Really appreciate the love. Um, yeah, maybe maybe, I, uh, maybe Westminster Effects should start a Spotify artist account and release it. Ooh, I still have to finish the mix though. Man, well, that's, I'm that's having, okay. I'm, I'm having can, time. We can take our time. Oh yeah, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, tab it out. Get get some tutorials out there. And, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so I wrote this song based off of the uh, the text from the call to worship from the beginning of the order of matins and order of vespers. And in Lutheran tradition, other traditions may call it differently, but essentially, it's the O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare Your praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. And so, took that theme and uh, and and wrote this uh, wrote this call to worship song. Uh, in in dedication to the church regathered and and that was that was special uh, to me because uh, that's the second song um, in in this past you know seven months maybe eight months 
that yeah. uh, that I've had the privilege to uh, to write and uh, and offer to the congregation, and so that was pretty cool. Although in that process, I've realized that pretty much everything I write um, starts sounding like '90s pop punk, eventually degrades <laughs> into weird electronic stuff as I'm trying to spice it up, and then ultimately all ends on that typical praise and worship, like Chris Tomlin would eat his heart out for this song. The vamp, I mean, if you will. It, yes. It's got acoustic guitar. It's got that sound effects in it. You know, it's 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 got the little synthy build in the pre-chorus. The you know, and it, it sweeps the filter off and, and you know, gets big for the chorus. And, yeah, you know, it's it's math. There, there it, are worse things. There, there are. There are. There are, um, but uh, but yeah. So that was that was pretty cool, um, and uh, we're back at it again this week. You know, I don't know uh, when we're going to be uh, full capacity again. Um, mm-hmm. and Probably just as soon as everyone in your area stops giving a crap, right? Yeah, I would imagine so um, because there's no res- like there's still kind of governmental restrictions um, yeah. that are saying like you have to be at like this percentage of capacity and, and whatnot yeah. and only family un- units can sit together and so there's all that stuff that the rest of church leadership needs to hash out mm-hmm. um, one thing that we find ourselves wondering though and I'm sure many other people are is you know we've been essentially producing and live stream live streaming a, a full service with the exception of the offering passing um, you know, for the last how many ever weeks. Yep. And that has inherently given people the expectation that we will continue doing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked about this a number of episodes ago. It's like, is live streaming really healthy for a church? that already has a, a, a physical local family of faith. Like, is it a good idea? Right. And that's, and, that's, and, what, we're re- that's what we're wrestling with right now is... Yeah, and at, at Res, we're, we're, uh, we're not re-recording any... Uh, so what, what Bradley is doing is he is pre-recording his sermon to still stream on Sunday, right? Mm. Uh, but he's preaching live also, as as we're regathered, if you will, sure. Um, but in terms of the music, we're just taking it from past weeks that we've already recorded. <laughs> you know, and that that so that's what we're trying. So that's what we're experimenting with right now. So um, because of equipment issues, um, our central our Sumner campus um, already has the cameras and all the live stream boxes and stuff. So we can essentially um, just keep live streaming for for pennies, right? Um, right. If we if we so chose, our Yankee Hill campus, which is our newest one, uh, didn't do the cameras initially when they when they built the space, and it's brand new. I mean, it launched in September, um, and so there was a, a decent amount of equipment that had to be rented uh, to do the live streaming thing for for their family of faith. Because although we are one church body, we do operate as, uh, as as separate campuses. And so we each have our own, quote, congregations. Right. Um, you have you ha- actually have, like, live preaching at yeah, every yeah. campus. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not a, a telesite or anything like that. Although It's, well, it's been, really 
that's been discussed. it's really it's really not multi-campus it's ultimately like its own denomination <laughs> in, i mean in, in well in a sense i mean like uh I, I don't know. It depends how well you know the pastors. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, it's like uh, like Hillsong. I mean, it has multiple multiple Hillsong churches that are all under the, now Hillsong is its own denomination. They've already cried. Uh, right. Know, they've already declared or, or whatever. Um, but uh, ignore that for a second. It, it's kind of like just when Hillsong was a church, just Hillsong, and they had individual campuses all across the world and they all had local preaching a local band and in local family ministry opportunities and, and what like that um, that's kind of where where we're at but we do you know cross over as far as administration and other things but anyways um, since they had to rent uh, a lot of stuff that would have uh, to continue live streaming now that we've reopened because between services they can pretty much hold or, or at least invite their whole congregation split between the couple services um so for them what we're trying is we're recording the sermon that day and then doing exactly what you're doing and we're taking songs from previous weeks and we're editing those together and then posting them on the site as a condensed uh i mean i'm not sure what they're calling it and maybe they're calling it like a condensed worship thing uh sure but my my ultimate guess is that it's going to be um, called like Sunday morning devotion or or something like that. Um, yeah, because we we want to be mindful of the difference between um, daily worship and then corporate worship, because it is yep. as we've said before, it is so vitally important um, that we teach what Christ taught us um, mm-hmm. through Scripture, and that is that we are called to gather. Um, and so don't sit on your duff in your living room and pretend that that is corporate worship. Is that daily personal worship? Absolutely. I mean, offer your bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord. This is your spiritual act mm-hmm. of worship. Yep. But it is not corporate. Speaking of corporate worship, what did uh, what did Res do? Because I know it's a little different than what we did. You know, being inside our main worship space and bringing people yeah. back in. What what did you guys do? Well, it's it's a lot different. Uh, our <laughs> sanctuary is is pretty small, and we run uh, two fifty ish a Sunday uh, all told. Um, and with the calculations that Bradley and Keith did, uh, and the survey that we did, like if if we're going to require even just a row, not just six feet, because our rows are pretty crammed together. Sure. Uh, but the whole row between, a seat or two between families, and then with all of the people who said, yeah, I'm willing to come, uh, we would have to do like three or four services. Mm, yeah. And, and we ain't about that. <laughs> so, As, uh, as so, anyone who's planned more than a, uh, a three-service Easter Sunday can attest, there's sure. always that one time slot where people just want to come, you know, and yep. uh, and so doing multiple services, like doing four services, like some churches are, are are doing, is going to be difficult because if they can't go to quote their service, they might just not come at all. Right. So so we're doing for the month of June uh, outdoor services. 
uh, just right there on the lawn, and we're by a, a fairly busy uh, highway there in Greer, so there's there's a good amount of visibility as well. Uh, also, since it's in June, we're doing it at 9 in the morning instead of 10, yeah. um, so we make sure we don't roast. Uh, yeah. But even on top of that, uh, we are making sure we are keeping it to an hour, um, mm. like Bradley is working on keeping his sermon shorter and we're only playing three songs and, sure. and that kind of thing just making sure we're kind of more stripped down uh, now now is your average service time an hour or is it like an hour 30 it's closer to an hour 30 i yeah that's what i thought okay yeah. that's that yeah. makes sense then yeah so so that's that's a good deal of time taken off you know we've taken off the yeah. song bradley's not preaching as long we're not doing uh, the new city catechism right now uh, you know, we've just cut out a lot so we can make sure that we're gathering, but we also don't want people to have a heat stroke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so what we're doing, uh, talk about Providence, um, we, we've we kind of partnered with a church called uh, the Church at Greer Station. We've brought them up before, mm-hmm. and they uh, the school that they were leasing decided at the end of last year that they weren't going to rent out to anybody, you know, mm. churches, anybody at all. And so they've been using our facility Sunday evenings this year, uh, but they also have an entire portable setup. So we are mooching, you know, it's it's all Ah. our, all at our facility. But we're now using their portable stage, their PA system, their mixers, (laughs) and their microphones. And uh, so they're they're going on Saturday mornings, and then we're on Sunday mornings, uh, just using their stuff. Nice. And uh, so, so even though it's at our location, we're technically portable right now. <laughs> sure. So I mean, so and that's you're packing, all... and you're packing. They're packing it up after Saturday. You're packing it up after Sunday. Is or exactly? It yeah. Okay. Yeah. So right. so so call time for people who are helping to set up is six forty five in the morning, uh-huh. and then uh, band gets there at seven thirty. We're also pairing back the uh, the band compared to what we're used to. Hmm. Um, so no electric guitar. If we have a drummer, he's on a box drum. Sure. Uh, like so, a, like so a I cajon played, sort of deal? Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. So um, so I was on... So here, everybody likes to hear how something goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so so my Murphy's Law moment uh, this time was our, our song structure is, is two up front and then yep. one after the sermon right now. That's how okay. we're running it. You know, we normally run four songs total, but uh, with the shorter service, we're running the three, like I said. Mm-hmm. And I have... I actually have it right here. I have uh, one of these Boss wireless systems. Oh yeah, yeah, the WL one. Uh, or whatever WL twenty. Oh, sorry, I didn't yeah, mean 20. to shortchange you there. Yeah, how about you uh, give me credit for my numbers? Um, but if you see here, there's a little switch right there. Uh huh. And when you plug in, it turns it on. It turns it on. I didn't want my battery to die in the middle of the sermon, just in case. So after that second song, when we were about to go down, I was going to unplug the wireless from my base and let it just hang there, right? You know, so it's sure, so it's yeah. off, it's not activated, whatever. And the problem was when I unplugged it, it popped out and then fell off the stage. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Thank- <laughs> it actually went under the stage. Oh gracious! <laughs> so, so thankfully, I uh, I was prepared and I had 
uh, I had a cable on hand just in case, mm-hmm. which I, I yeah. always do. You should. I always when have you're... an extra cable. Yep, yeah, when you're when you're running wireless. So I, you know, I run completely wireless now too. I uh, yeah. Um, I looked at the Line Six. I looked at the the Boss. I ended up going with a with a line that's been actually discontinued. Um, oh really? But it's uh, Audio Technica System Ten, and it's it's huh. belt pack based and has a has a pedal board uh, receiver. So like any other one, it looks closer yep. to the to the fancy Sure one. It has a foot uh-huh. switch on it, but the foot switch doesn't do a tuner. The foot switch switches between outputs one and two. So uh. I can have one receiver. I can have a belt pack on my acoustic and a belt pack on my electric. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. And if I want to send it direct for the acoustic, for instance, um, yep. or through an acoustic pedal board or what have you, I can just switch the outputs there. And I recently bought a, a second belt pack um, because the thing will support up to like 10. Um, wow. Man, that's been that's a game nasty. changer. And uh, I'm using yeah. wireless in-ears now, too. But, uh, you know, this past, uh, you know, you mentioned not wanting your battery to die. This past Sunday, you know, our first day back. Um, on Thursday, we worked extra long and extra hard on stuff because we really wanted to make sure that we had everything tight. We were doing a newer song, too. Not, not to mention the one that I wrote, another one on top of that. And after Thursday night, like half of us forgot to plug our batteries into the chargers. Nice like worship leader mic, bass mic, my mic, um, my guitar wireless, my wireless in ears, all forgot to plug the batteries in. And so now I will we, say, yeah, I will say for our band, like you worked extra hard. Our band has never rehearsed less for a service than we did last Sunday, <laughs> <laughs> where where everybody just showed up and knew what they were doing last Thursday for mm, rehearsal. Nice. So we just ran through every song once and we were done in about 35 minutes. Oh, that's You know, <laughs> and then we, it, it is we it showed is up really Sunday. nice. Yeah. Yeah, and we showed up Sunday and everybody still knew what they were doing, so we played oh, through good. every song once. And it was just nice. like, "Oh, this is nice." You know, I so I, what I will say is is when that happens at a rehearsal where everyone's on their game and we're like, oh, we're we're done, and then everyone's like, oh, great, and they start packing up, like, no, I want to hang out, <laughs> you know, I want yeah, right? friends. <laughs> <laughs> let's I don't know, let's talk about pedals or something. Let's, let's right? talk about cats, I, whatever. I don't care. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, you know, we uh, we had a. a so one of our main worship leaders, Josiah, who usually does lead vocals, was actually on drums for us this past week, and mm-hmm. so and our worship arts director was on worship leader spot, and so just you know just kind of a lot of switching around with some things, and uh, yep. nonetheless went really well, and it sounded you know your your music festival as it were, uh, Greer Cella, <laughs> if I may, Greer Cella, is, is it all right? Um, I mean, call it what you want. I mean, but yeah, I mean it was it's always I hadn't played in an outdoor setting in years and uh so that that's always interesting there's a totally different vibe playing outside whether it's gnats or (laughs) or or heat or whatever i've played i've played in a parking lot in the middle of july on on the asphalt like it was terrible uh like i've i've done all kinds of stuff like that but it, it, it had been a while so um but yeah i mean it was it ended up going I mean, other than my screw-up, pretty much without a hitch. Um, You're launching your wireless transmitter? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll see if I can do it again this Sunday. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we had we obviously had the, the restrooms available if, if somebody had had to 
you know, take care of business or, uh, but we had, you know, we had lyrics, lyric handouts for the songs. Mm. We had, uh, we had a little tent with bottles of water just so people wouldn't get dehydrated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You sure. Know? Yeah. So it was, it was just like, you know, hey, bring a tent if you need to, but make sure you sit in the back. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and, and then it was, you know, just make sure that, uh, if somebody wants space, then to then to respect that, and uh, you know there there are still some people in our area who are who are concerned, and you know that's fine. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're going to respect that. But otherwise, it's like if if you're comfortable giving a hug, go ahead and give a hug. Uh, just assume you assume that risk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, no, no, no doubt. Well, I'm glad it went well. Yeah, and you know, uh, also. Also, to tie in with with our episode last week, our elders did read uh, their statement on the current state of affairs with the protests and George Floyd and all Mm. that kind of stuff. And that uh, I I didn't have a preview like Bradley had talked about it, but I didn't read it beforehand or anything. And I thought it was very well balanced, uh, Mm. very biblical. And um, and I think that might be on the sermon video this week if anybody wants to check that out at resfaith.com. I think, you know, if I'm going to quibble, um, I think I would literally change one word. <laughs> so if if all you want to change is one word, I think we're doing okay, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so Yeah, especially, so, uh, especially when it's you just wanting to change one word. I mean, that's, that's yeah, impressive. Yeah, exactly. Nobody cares. Yeah, Nobody right. cares about me wanting yeah. to change one word. They know I'm a word nerd anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, well well done by the elders at Resurrection Church on handling that situation. So, yeah, absolutely. So, you want to move on to the uh, Inquisition and see what people are asking us this week? Yeah, let's do it. I, I, I looked at a couple of them. Looks like we have a good lineup. So, uh, yeah, let's yeah, uh, We got let's a couple over. barn burners, so we're going to have fun. <laughs> We are now at the Inquisition segment of this episode, the Inquisition. Uh, For those of you who are unaware, uh, are listener questions that are submitted via a weekly post in the Westminster Effects Oxology podcast lounge. Uh, Good thought-provoking question. We'll start with Dustin Beeman with George Floyd. With the George Floyd episode, you talked about being slow to speak and quick to listen. I believe that was Bradley who said that. He said, and that's fair enough, but my question is, to whom or what will we listen? And he said, in parentheses, other than Vody Bauckham. <laughs> <laughs> so Vody is kind of a given. Um, mm. Or the Just Thinking podcast will say that too. And, uh, and I, think, I think Bradley's... Uh, Bradley's main point, and he can correct me if I'm wrong later, uh, would be if if you know someone who who had who is grieved by this situation or any other situation going on, uh, maybe instead of trying to fix it or even fix their thinking up front, uh, hear them out, hear what they have to say. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn, and sometimes. If, if we need to correct their thinking, sometimes that needs to come later in a different conversation yeah. altogether. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I mean, when it comes to, you know, where to, where to get your facts from, you know, I, I think it's important 
to to you know to weigh them against uh, uh, weigh them against each other. Right? We use scripture oh, yeah. to inscripture, interpret scripture. We should use the news to interpret the news. You know, and uh, and to ensure that. That what we're seeing and, and what our perspective is is as close to uh, you know the truth is is what uh, uh, what is available. Um, but yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, you know, spot on. Um, listening to those who have been intimately affected, not just like emotionally affected, like like mm-hmm. I, I would say the majority of people um, are uh, those who may have had trust betrayed by. Uh, um, or, or at least the perception of betrayed trust when they take a look at you know our, our, our police officers and, and, and whatnot or or those uh, those people who um, are uh, like like one of my one of my good friends and, and one of our elders on uh, on Aaron's elder team um, his family is entirely adopted uh, his, his mm, children yeah and one of them and he, he's a dark-skinned fella and he's the yeah. you know he's the sweetest guy and Adam is ripped. I guess I'll not. I can say his name. Why not? Um, he is ripped to shreds over this situation because mm-hmm. how is he, as a white dad, supposed to teach his family, which includes a a black kid, yeah, who's friends with multiple cops? How is he supposed to navigate this? Right. And it's in those situations where listening is so vitally important because chances are you're not going to be able to help by opening your mouth right in that situation so right don't don't be one of job's friends yeah (laughs) uh brian morris as is tradition asks what books we are reading hmm you want to start that Uh, one yeah sure so um i've got a a couple in flight right now as far as audio books go um which is not really reading per se, but um, the uh, the guy who wrote uh, The Martian, uh, which was turned into that movie with uh, Matt Damon. Uh, Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs> the author's <laughs> name is Andy Weir, um, and he, he's written another book uh, called Artemis, and it's uh, it's about a city on the moon, and so I'm, I'm re-listening to that. I, I listened to that on my drive to Summernam uh, this past year. And yeah. so I'm re-listening to that. Also, uh, defending the faith by uh, by R.C. Sproul. And Very nice. Yeah, yeah. So so and it's not so much, and that one's not so much an audiobook as it is um, audio recordings of his lectures on, or or from that book. Um, yeah. And then as far as the ones I'm actually reading, I'm rereading Spirituality of the Cross by Gene Edward Veith. Um, Previously, a uh, kind of agnostic, uh, and was raised in the church, but didn't really understand anything. And it's this, mm-hmm. and it's about his spiritual journey, based completely on scripture, and and from a very very Lutheran point of view, which is not the reason I picked it up. Um, you, you don't have but, to lie to us. <laughs> fine. <laughs> Well, I guess then that leads me to my other book, and that's Confessing the Gospel, Volume One, uh, which is a uh, in more of a anthology text published by Concordia Publishing House. Uh, that's uh, it's pretty much Lutheran systematic theology. 
Um, so nice. it's like uh, if Burkhoff were uh, were Lutheran, the, he'd, he'd, yeah. and, and just a smidge nicer, he would have wrote written this. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. So that's yeah. That's what I've got in flight. So in terms of uh, Audible, I am listening to The Gathering Storm, Secularism, Culture, and the Church by Albert Moeller, Jr. <laughs> I had to say the junior, right? Uh, but oh, Albert Moeller's new Albert Moeller's new book, he stole The Gathering Storm from Winston Churchill, as is expected with Albert Moeller because he is just a dork for Winston Churchill. But talking about how uh, secularism and our current cultural moment is... Uh, uh, deviating from biblical truth and how it may be influencing the church, that kind of thing. Um, I'm also reading uh, Before Jerusalem Fell, Dating the Book of Revelation by Ken Gentry. Uh, kind of straightforward um, there. And I'm also reading The Creedal Imperative by Carl Truman at the moment, which makes the biblical case for uh, creedalism and confessionalism within the church. Uh, kind of talks about the uh, the cultural case being made against uh, creedalism of uh, people basically hate authority in all <laughs> of all types. We want to be totally autonomous, and mm-hmm. uh, that's that's not really how scripture works, right? Uh, and, and even saying no creed but the Bible is in itself a creed. A creed. <laughs> so you're yeah. going to have a creed. You might as well make them biblical. You know, I actually found out that we have... Uh one of those churches in, in Lincoln. I'm sure there's a few, uh, but it's actually on the same street as, uh, as, as Christ. It's all the way at the end, it, it, a, a route that I rarely take to the church. and It's yeah. a Church of the Brethren. Oh, wow. With a those still lady, exist? W- yeah, yeah, with a lady pastor, no doubt. Uh. Um, I think they should change the whole Brethren name. Somebody didn't use preferred pronouns. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I was looking, and it was like, we are a creedless church. I'm like, that's literally creed. That Those words, those four yeah. words, that's that's a creed. Yeah. You keep um, using that word. Well, and then, there's, th- then there's some that, that don't say no creed but Christ. They say, we reject the Apostles' Creed. There's another one in town. Um, that, oh, man. that says that Wait, says PCUSA? that PCUSA <laughs> zing <laughs> got him and uh, and they say it's not that we dis- necessarily disagree with all that it teaches um, but we refuse to align ourselves with any but it says we um, but it, it literally says we reject the apostles' creed like ah that, that is a creed it's just, it's just <laughs> biblical anyways anyways yeah. All right, next <clears throat> next question before I die of the Rona. So, Kenneth Ledford, my dude Kenneth Ledford, I've coached baseball with him and such for years. He was in my wedding, etc. He's like, what's the deal with Matthew 18, 11, and ah. it being omitted from uh, non-KJV uh, translations? John, are you, are you a nerd? Are you Nicholas a nerd Cage hasn't found it yet. <laughs> are you a nerd for textual, textual criticism, criticism like I am? Yeah, and not as much, but I, I definitely know you know know the ins and outs of this particular quote controversy uh, as it, as it were. Um, yes, you know the the limited early manuscripts when uh, um, when uh, old King James uh, translated Jimmy. it himself. Yeah, <laughs> old old King Jimmy. So so the thing with uh, Matthew eighteen eleven, amongst other verses, uh, the the two biggest chunks 
uh, that are that are debated are in John 8 and the what's called the long ending of Mark. Um, Bradley may disagree with me on this, you know, him being my pastor, you know, you got to defer, right? Uh, sure. But, but I, I'm of the opinion that that chunk that's marked off in brackets, both in John and in Mark, probably aren't original to the text. Uh, but there's nothing really groundbreaking there in the first place we don't get yeah. any kind of any kind of major doctrines so uh you got part of uh you have matthew eighteen eleven, uh the comma johannium in uh in first john what is it five yeah first john five there's there's a verse that is quote-unquote taken out in later translations that aren't the king james so the way that this worked was when the King James translators uh, were working on the King James translation was they only had like six Greek codices. Yeah, so like the, six so or seven, codec. yeah. Yeah, so they, they had, you know, Codex uh, Vaticanus oh, and they were, they were Codex. Late. They, were, they were late manuscripts, yeah. too. Right, right. They were very late manuscripts, like, what, 1200s, 1100s, 11, 1100, like yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, so they had six codexes to work with, which, considering what they had to work with and the time period when they did it, was absolutely incredible work. Mm. Like So all credit to them uh, for that work. However, uh, the way that biblical, the biblical transmission of the text worked uh, was you're not going to have a text without corruptions. And by corruptions, I just mean mistakes when people copied it down because we didn't have the Xerox machine yet. <laughs> yeah. So, so what would happen is Paul would send a letter or Luke would write his account of the gospel and then somebody would copy it and et cetera. And so, Ishmael would run out of ink on his, on his quill. Right? Exactly. And, you'd have you people know, and, run and out of ink. And he'd, he'd have to go like kill a squid to get more ink and by the time he comes back he's he's lost an arm he's forgotten where his page is he has an eye gouged out by by a freaking cuttlefish and uh, and he's like I must I must have been here and then all of a sudden the passage from Luke ends up in in Matthew 18 right that's so yeah, that's, so that's what, not what, that's not probably not how it happened by yeah, the so way the, listening the, public the the overwhelming majority of quote unquote corruptions in the text aren't translatable. It's like uh, flipping a couple of letters around, just misspellings, mm-hmm. or or maybe a moth ate a hole through a page so we don't yeah. have a word, or or maybe it got caught in a fire, or what you see a lot of times with, with old codexes is uh, the corners get worn down because that's where they flipped the page. So you might have a couple words missing there. Uh, but with with current textual critical methods of we found so many more resources that are so much older than mm-hmm. what the guys with the KJV translation had, uh, we've we've come to certain conclusions about certain uh, verses, and again, most of them aren't all that big of a deal. Well, really, none of them are that big of a deal. It's, no. Most of them aren't very long. It's like a sentence. And what probably happened there was somebody had like a marginal note, like they were taking notes in their Bible, and then that accidentally mm-hmm. got copied down into the text or something like that. Um, one of the really cool things, uh, and James White talked about this several years ago at, or I think about two years ago at G3, uh, where he was talking about what's called the coherence-based gen- genealogical method, CBGM, 
where it's basically a computer program where it's like, all right, we know that this text is from 200, this text is from 300, whatever, and they put all this information in and it spits out, well, we're pretty sure this is the original, right? And and even, even like your most critical, skeptical guys like Bart Ehrman, who mm. is an agnostic now, yep. uh, admit that we're really just tinkering with the text like it's it's really inconsequential stuff but one really cool textual variant i is, saw i saw bart urban speak by the way when i, oh, uh, when really? I was in, yeah when i was in college he um came to oddly enough a church in lincoln called uh, uh first plymouth uh which i'm i'm pretty sure just preaches agnosticism anyways um, yeah the, yeah it's it, it's one of, it's one of them it's uh, yeah. yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so, but but at that time he was ferocious. Yeah, he was oh, yeah. ferocious at that time. Anyways, yeah. continue. So James White did this presentation on a variant in Jude, and we've always known about this variant. Like this isn't new, but uh, the NASB hasn't updated from this variant. And in the KJV, you'll see this uh, in Jude verse five. It says, "Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that the Lord who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe." Uh, with our current textual critical methods and stuff, we've determined that the variant of that, uh, that Jesus who saved a people out of Egypt is probably the original one. And so mm. the implications of that, even just from Jude verse 5, well, Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus yeah. is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Jesus saved a people out of the land of Egypt and, and then destroyed if those If you hadn't believe. already picked so, up on that. Uh. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right, but yeah, so, uh, absolutely. And the the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire and and, and the pillar of cloud by day. I mean, the the burning bush, pre incarnate Christ. Oh my gosh, yes. that doctrine is beautiful and powerful, and, yes. and gets me excited every single time that uh, Christ was there at the beginning and shepherded his people throughout history, not just starting at his you know it is adult ministry. Beautiful, right? Beautiful. Exactly, exactly. Uh, next question. So yeah, I can I can nerd out about textual critical stuff hmm. all day. James White has a number of resources on this, like the King James controversy, uh, Scripture alone, and and for to be as much of a dork as James White is, his yeah. his writing is very easy to read. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. he he writes he writes on a level that he wants average Christians to be able to pick up on these things and then delve deeper. Um, so yeah, check out check out some Uncle Jimmy on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question, Will Risky. Will tell me how your name is pronounced. Just make a post in the group. I can't. I don't know. Uh, do pastors bear a responsibility to investigate whether incoming church members are in good standing at another church? I've heard about this being done in regard to both church discipline and prevention of quote unquote sheep stealing. Mm. So. Um, when we came to Res, uh, Bradley asked Kristen and me if, and this was when I was still dating Kristen, uh, asked us if uh, our old church knew that we were leaving. So there was at least that going on at Res, right? Sure. <laughs> and, and and we answered honestly that yes, they know that that we're out, and uh, you know we kind of laid out why we had we had left our old church, and you know we we didn't want to make it on any kind of uh, bad terms that. It is accidentally on bad terms. I think I might have ter- told that story on here before, mm. but uh, 
but regardless, there was at least that question. And uh, so I would say, I'm, maybe not a full-blown investigation. I don't know if I would use that word. Yeah, but I mean, some kind we, of, we, we some don't kind need of the Law and Order theme song for this, you know? Dun, dun. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, but at least like a, a, a light inqu- inquiry, if you will. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, you know, sheep stealing, sure, but, you know, what if it's uh i mean it could, there there could be other things you know there there could be uh allegations of of abuse or harassment that um maybe yeah. just don't have uh that no one necessarily spoke up about which speak up please speak up um but you know, maybe, maybe something like that happened in this old congregation. You'd yep. like to know before you put this guy as maybe your Sunday school teacher or, um, or, or you know, your custodian who's there while the single women's group meets or, you know, or, or whatever. Um, right. You know, what, whatever it may be. Um, or make sure that they, uh, you know, they didn't, uh, you know, show up to the other congregation wasted before you put them on the, uh, on the communion prep crew. You know, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> right. Right, but you know, I, I think it's it's ultimately um, at least as large a church as probably the senior pastor's responsibility. Now, some churches mm-hmm. may delegate that to a um, a evangelism pastor, or uh, like we do at Christ Lincoln, um, our welcome ministries coordinator, um, Sue Ann, yep. uh, meets with uh, new families, new individuals who who want to get connected at Christ, and. Uh, you know, because we are, since we are a, a partner congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, um, there there are some some th- there is this concept of synodical membership uh, that yeah. to which needs to quote needs to be a thing before you're a member of the congregation, meaning a voting member of the congregation, not necessarily a communicant member of the congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think your individual church context. And what ministries you have going on under your roof uh, kind right. of play into this, and, and how what exactly direction you should go. But I think ultimately, yes, you know, we, we should make sure that not only are people uh, vetted for like volunteer positions, but if they're coming from a different church, we don't necessarily need to know all the reasons why, but we need to make sure that that other church didn't like excommunicate them or something like that. Right. Right. Last question, and this might be the one that gets me banned from and, Reverb.com. Well, and I, I, I've got a question after that for you, because I need oh, to okay. discuss it, and I need to discuss it on the air, because I think it'll be helpful, but go ahead. Oh, well, let, let's go ahead and do this one. Oh, that way, in case we have to edit the other one out? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, story time. Um, ten years ago, almost, almost ten years, maybe nine years, I don't know. I should know. I think it was 10. Um, my wife and I were about to get married. And we chose a wedding photographer. And I had no idea how expensive wedding photographers were. Now, my wife's a professional oh, yeah. photographer now. And so I'm aware of these things. And she doesn't do yep. weddings. She <laughs> she definitely does not do weddings. Good, good for her. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I used to be a wedding DJ. It's a whole thing. Oh, um, anyways... And we really didn't have any assets. I mean, we didn't have like a massive bank account or like, mm-hmm. you know, a spare whatever to sell. 
So to make this down payment to our photographer, this security deposit of like a thousand bucks or something, and that was the deposit mm-hmm. gang, and the pictures yep. weren't that great. Um, <laughs> we, uh, what I I decided that I would take really the only thing of value that I really had, and that was my 2002 orange Fender Tornado. Um, which which you've expe- expressed your regret over selling that yeah, before. Yeah, I'm get, so I'm getting there. Um, they were they were a limited a limited run. Um, they were Mexican made, so like it wasn't like a crazy American thing. Um, but the value has gone up. Where you know your basic like non orange Tornado is like six hundred minimum. And you know, yeah. it has like it's pretty much um, Fender's answer to the SG. So it's the twenty-four and a half inch scale length. It's uh, um, dual kind of PAF style humbuckers. They call them atomic humbuckers, Al- Alnico uh, magnets, um, four-way controls, three-way switch. I mean, it is you know, it, it is a, a bolt-on SG for all intents and purposes, but with a altered offset body. So it kind of looks like a Jazzmaster, but with a fatter lower bout. Anyways. The orange ones are by far the most rare. Hmm. And to the point where you can go get a red one or a black one on Reverb right now for like 750 The last time an orange one popped up, it went for like 1300 Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe it's because Klinghoffer, whoever played it in a Red Hot Chili Peppers video, and, you know, I don't know. But... Um, yeah, so so I sold that, and I sold my Line Six Flex Tone Three Two Twelve modeling amp Whoa. and the FBV longboard. Woo, um, flex Tone, yeah, and I sold all of that. And I'll, I'll get back to the Flex Tone because it, it it has. This is what really leads me to my conundrum. It's not me getting a, a modeling amp. I mean, I've had Cyber Twins and, and all sorts of junk, um, but the Flex Tone was really good for what's worth. Way better than the Spiders. Anyway, so I sold this stuff, and ever since, ever since, and, and I was a pretty junk player back then. Like, you give me an acoustic, fantastic, whatever. I could sit on, on whatever bluegrass band you wanted to. But uh, with electric, I was a just a rubbish player. And so it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this guitar had perfect tone. It was, this guitar is so unique. I mean, it is so unique. My dad helped me buy it because it was cool. Even the case. You couldn't find a case to fit it, really, um, yep. because all the ones that were the right scale length, so it didn't all knock around, um, were made for SGs and stuff, and the thing wouldn't fit because it's a Fender offset body. Mm-hmm. So I, I eventually found one in a music around that was meant for the Tornado. It was a fitted case, but it was like mm. had water damage. I found it in a music around. They sold it to me for 20 bucks, and so I took it to an auto detail shop, and they cleaned it, and I still remember the smell. After they cleaned it, and like and like, and it was this this plush black like hair or fur interior, like oh my gosh, it you know it's just all this stuff has so many vivid memories for me, and it was like immediately you know I sold it and it was gone and I've been trying to find one again that I could afford ever since. Yeah. Now here's the question. Tonight, so technically leaked at Anaheim. Or around Anaheim this past January on Guitar Center's page, and then it promptly taken down was the Squire Paranormal series, which includes yep. re-releases of the Supersonic, the Cyclone, 
a baritone, a cabernita, and a tornado, but not an orange. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow or tonight is when my local music store gets theirs. <laughs> and it'll be on the floor tomorrow. Yep. Here's my dilemma. I have been obsessing over finding the the orange tornado for years, and I just can't. Yep. It is it is nowhere. It is an enigma. And <laughs> I and honestly, to the core of me, I want to be done obsessing with it. Mm-hmm. And but I find myself wondering. It's like I don't need another guitar. I mean, honestly, like if I needed another guitar, it would be something more versatile than another dual humbucker. Um, electric. It would be like a yeah. Variax or a VG Strat or something. Because like we have a song this Sunday that needs baritone tuning, or at least would be served very well by it. Right. And you know that would be awesome. Just flip a knob. There's a there's a Variax in town. A Variax 300 for like 250. I could go pick it up today and just be oh, mm. problem solved. But I I don't know why I'm so fixated on it. Because it's not like the one that got away. It's like I had it. I had it and I sold it because I needed to. And the thing that confuses me even more is like I have fantastic all tube amplifiers. My little Boss Katana 50 Mark II down here sounds better than the Flex Tone 3 ever did. But when I see a Flex Tone 3 come up, I'm like, hmm, I should buy that. Because I miss it because of what it means. Right. Because I got I, you got the sentimental value. Yeah, I had okay. to get rid of it. That it's not even like oh, I had so many great memories with this guitar and amp. It was like I had to get rid of it, and I really didn't want to. Right. And like, although I am, I love the body shape of the Tornado. I'm really excited that Squire is coming out with them. Uh, Ryan Burke on Sixty Cycle just got the uh, I think it was the Supersonic in, and the build quality is really really nice. As you expect from Squire nowadays. Yeah. My concern is, is what if I go play it and I love it? I'm like, hey, I mean, why not? I'll, I mean, I can, <laughs> I can drop 350 uh-huh. on a guitar. Is that going to fix it? Is that going to stop me from fixating on finding an orange Tornado? Because here's the what problem. If, if I find if an ref- orange Tornado... Why I not just refinish that. it? I thought about that. Um but you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, like, a, it's a on Sweetwater. It's a three hundred and fifty dollar guitar, so it's not like it's going to have a ton of resale value. So if no. you can do it right, like do it, you know, even with like automotive spray cans or something, mm-hmm. make it look really nice. Like why not? And I've, I've thought about that because that was the thing that was special about the orange one. It was, it was orange and it had a pearl pick guard. Mm. I mean, I, I called it the orange dream sickle. You know, it was. Yeah. It was it, it was it was just special, and so yeah, I thought about that. But like, I, I nothing else. I, I've had probably twenty some odd cars in my life. I've had probably close to a hundred guitars. I mean, all of these things that I love. This is the one thing that I can't get out of my head. <laughs> and there and there are guitars yeah. I want more. I would love a Nutter, honestly. Like like the the Astro Captain is the coolest thing. Yeah. Um, I, I would love I would love a VG Strat, um, you know, with the with the modeling uh, technology on board for the versatility. There's so many things. A Reverend Warhawk 390, but I don't go trolling. Re- I don't go checking reverb every day. They're not in my reverb feed filter. Right. Only the Tornado is. 
Mm. And I so desperately want to be done being fi- like fixated on that. And I don't know. I know it's it's a heart thing, I'm sure. But it's not like, mm, I need another guitar to satisfy my inward lust for guitars. It's like, I have this, <laughs> and I had to get rid of it, and I don't like that I had to get rid of it. No one made me. I made myself get rid of it. Um, right. So that, we, so that we could pay for the photographer that gave us great memories of our wedding day, even if the pictures yeah. weren't really great by 2020 standards. So yeah, I, I tell you, this uh, this Squire Paranormal series has all kind of people with gas right now. Uh, shout out to uh, one Hunter Patterson in the group and also in my band who was just gassing for that uh, baritone Telecaster mm. that they just put out. Uh, and it is pretty sweet. Uh, if I had if I had known about this this uh, baritone Telecaster, uh, you know, a month and a half ago, I might have gone for that instead of the fan fret. Ah, uh, sure. Uh, but you know, whatever. Uh, Twenty seven inch scale and P nineties, like that thing is probably a whole lot of fun to play. I won't even lie. For sure. So yeah, I mean, I don't so. think it's a, I don't think it's a doubt on whether it'd be a great guitar. It's like yeah. I mean, this is like the one thing in my life that I'm like, ugh. Man, <laughs> why can't I find you, Orange Tornado? Yeah, seriously. And the pr- yeah. problem is, if one comes up, I can't bring myself to drop thirteen hundred on it. There's no way. Right. Right. There's no way. Like, I mean, not to mention, I don't have that disposable income laying around for one. Yeah. But for t- for two, it would just be straight up irresponsible. It's not even an American Fender. <laughs> it's a Mexican it's funny how the Fender market does this bucks. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, it's a it's an issue with contentment, I'm sure. But I'm content with my instruments. It's just I want it back. Right. I don't know what I'm going to do on that. So no, that was my you. discourse. Now, now is the time, Cody, to get yourself banned from Reverb. Let's do it. Yeah. And, and honestly, I should. I, I don't think I'll get banned, but I might irritate somebody because I'll actually have a nuanced uh, answer as opposed to a black and white kind of answer. Uh, sure. So Brian Morris, as is tradition, asks, is the Confederate flag racist mm. and should everyone be banning it all of a sudden? So how about we ask you first, old Lutheran John, because you're in Nebraska and I'm yeah. in South Carolina and there's probably a couple of different conversations going on in <laughs> our respective geographical areas. A smidgen, I'm sure. You know, I will say... I don't see the old stars and bars much around here. I mean, occasionally yeah. you'll see, you know, a, a rusty old 80s white Chevy pickup with it flying from the bed. Yep. Um, you know, but honestly, it, it's hard for me to speak to a, uh, a demographic that I'm not part of, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, I've never seen an issue with the Confederate flag. Um, I've never understood that, but at the same time, I've never understood the desire to, I don't know, to fly it, you know, next to old glory, for instance. Yeah. Um, but if I were to guess the people that had the Confederate flag up here was cause just like me, they really like Dukes of Hazard, and they wish that Nebraska were just a little bit more Southern. Um, unfortunately, it's probably not the case. And there are individuals who use that flag along with other forms of symbolism Mm -hmm. um, to uh, to make a point um, or to express a belief that they have and and unfortunately for 
um, for some people, that belief is one of, of prejudice and bigotry. Um, right. Do I think the flag itself speaks to that? And like, if you look at like, is is the Confederate flag as much of a symbol of racism and bigotry as a whitey point a point pointy white hat is? I'm not mm-hmm. talking about like like a, a papal mitre, by the way. So we'll leave Ro- <laughs> we'll leave Rome out of this one. Um, but is it as much as a, a pointy white clan hat? No, I don't think so. I mean, one is very cut and clear. Like, no, ain't no one wearing a uh, a pointy white hat because they like Dukes of Hazard. You know, like <laughs> like there's there's other things going on there. Um, so I think I think yes, yeah, sp- speak to, speak to the southern uh, the southern thing because that's that's a part that I've only visited right. but never stayed yeah. too long. You know, right? So in, in South Carolina, we actually uh, starting. In 1961, I believe it started being flown over our state house. Uh, so obviously, that was a very clear shot at desegregation, the civil rights movement, and that kind of thing. And it stayed over the state house until the 2000s. Uh, and actually, like they they ended up moving it to a, a Confederate War Memorial on the state house grounds until 2015, when it was finally taken uh, taken down permanently. Um, it's it, you really have to when you talk about things regarding the Civil War uh, it, when like our, our history classes want to paint everybody with a black hat or a white hat to mm-hmm. reference the old spaghetti westerns but you yep. look at guys like Stonewall Jackson who was a devout Presbyterian like mm-hmm. honorable Christian guy he and Robert E. Lee were known as honorable guys now, did that mean that they were perfect? Absolutely not. And, you know, you can't get away from things like the cornerstone speech that said outright the Confederate States of America are founded on the fact that the white race is superior to all other races. Like, you can't get, mm-hmm. a, you can't get away from that. Uh, you can't get away from uh, every state's uh, secession documents explicitly mentioning slavery. At the same time, they also had other reasons as well. Uh, were those reasons right or wrong? Well, you know, once you start fighting for your right to own people as property, uh, most of the other arguments are going to go out the door. Yeah, they, they kind of go away at that point, yeah. Yeah, what a lot of people don't realize, though, is from the Union standpoint, uh, they weren't fighting to end <coughs> slavery at first. That didn't come until the Emancipation Proclamation. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple, what was it, two, three years into the war. Yeah. Uh, the original purpose of the Union fighting was to keep the Union together. So so we end up treating the Civil War as, you know, this fight to end slavery, and it really wasn't. Uh, that doesn't mean that there weren't good intentions on behalf of those who fought for the Union. <laughs> you know? So it's, yeah. it's one of those things where we have to take a step back and, and to put it in theological perspective, uh, you can even look at it uh, like with Calvin and Servetus being burned at the stake and stuff like that, where we would frown on a lot of things. Like, obviously, we're going to decry any kind of racism and, and people being owned. So getting back into current day display, um, I think it is possible, though exceedingly rare, <laughs> at least as far as I see it, because you know, being in South Carolina, some people still fly it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's possible, though exceedingly rare, to not be racist in the display of it. Uh, I do think that most people are exhibiting some kind of white supremacy that we would we would reject, uh, yep. some kind of racism within their display. Uh, and, and I would be against a public display of the Confederate flag by anybody. But I'm also not going to tell people what they can do on their property, right? Yeah. Um, now, in regards to uh, NASCAR banning it, I think that was probably a good move. Yeah. Um, well, no, not probably. It was a good move. <laughs> Just outright. They're a private organization, and they can do what they want, one. Uh, but two, um, nobody nobody wants to be saddled with that uh, and the baggage yeah, that comes exactly. with that. And, you know, some of the... And, and, Oh, go ahead. Well, it's, it's like I, I definitely don't want to be saddled with with the fact that with all the baggage that comes along with that. Now, I will say the design, the design of the Confederate battle flag, like just from a graphic design standpoint, it's a good looking mm-hmm. flag. Yeah. Like it's it's a quality design. The, the, the United States flag, um, I actually think is probably in the top two or three in the world for national flag designs. Um, you know, it's it's not just a bunch of colors thrown together. Mm-hmm. You know, you actually have purposes and, Depth and it can and be meaning. flown upside a, down in signs of distress and yeah, yeah. like there's you know, all kinds of symbolism. It's, honestly, it's like stained glass in a church. You know, it teaches, right? You right. Know, how many right. states? So, so how many colonies? You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah, and then and then you know, so I, I guess the United States and the people that rebel against it are just really good at designing flags. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. But but I would I would personally be opposed to flying it if someone uh, at my church decided to display it. I would, assuming somebody else didn't get to them first, mm-hmm. um, I would I would try and reason with them to see. I, and I, I don't think I would even just see. I would just advocate. Hey, you're probably doing more harm than good. You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, particularly being in South th- Carolina. Those, yeah, those who would fly it for. Reasons other than racism, bigotry, prejudice, white supremacy, yeah. so on and so forth, would theoretically be those who would want to champion states' rights over federal oversight, and then you should right. probably fly the South Carolina flag. Yeah, which is what I have tattooed on my, on my wrist. Hmm. Um, nice. You know, and 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 being being a white southerner i do have ancestors who fought for the confederacy mm-hmm. you know like absolutely yeah like and, and i'm i'm not i'm not gonna like apologize for that because i didn't do it <laughs> you know uh that's that's not my responsibility and and if you want to talk about somebody who actually cares about race i have uh in my family by marriage mexicans and russians and my my cousin who was adopted is black if there's anybody mm-hmm. who cares about race, it's not me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I don't absolutely. give a single crap. Uh, so you know, uh, you know the, uh, the, the, the this whole thing uh, brought up uh, an old Sunday school song, and it's not really PC nowadays, but it's certainly not necessarily a, a offensive uh, necessarily. Um, Jesus loves the little children. Yeah. Red and yeah. yellow, black and white, they're yep. precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world, you know. Yep. And and that's true. Yeah. Because you know, there there is there's really no 
sense of difference based upon color of skin in scripture there there's none at all you know we are we are yep. equal under the cross because of the grace of Christ and that is the message like we said last week that we need to exactly. cling to one last thought on the NASCAR thing and, and to those who are or maybe a little butthurt about it let's remember that NASCAR yes is a southern thing so to speak mm-hmm. but wasn't started having anything to do with the Confederacy or anything like that, they were booze runners. They were booze runners. They souped up yeah. their cars to get ri- to get away from the cops, <laughs> and that's how NASCAR started. Yeah. So, yeah. if if there is one identifiable trait that is historical uh, to the NASCAR world, it is getting wasted. <laughs> and if you want to celebrate NASCAR's. Uh, NASCAR's rich heritage of alcoholism, uh, I don't believe there's anyone who's going to stand in your way of doing that. Uh, so <laughs> fear not. I don't think NASCAR well is going to be hurting uh, for, for fans anytime soon. Yeah. So I, I, to top that all off, like, you know, symbols, uh, there are, you know, sim- certain symbols mean different things to different people, and we can, and we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. Um, it then it then depends on well what has the symbol been used for recently, uh, yep. you know kind of the what have you done for me lately and when something has has basically officially been used of hey we don't buy into this whole desegregation stuff, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, then that kind of goes out the window right like I I wouldn't be caught yeah. dead flying it myself yeah it's it, it's not something to uh, to be used I mean uh, in a sense. You know, the rainbow used to be a, 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 a Christian symbol, you yeah. know, and, and now, and, and we forever have God's covenant, the Noahic covenant, saying that I will never yep. destroy the earth with a flood again, and the rainbow in the sky was the seal of that promise. We will never yep. not have that, but at the same time, that symbol now has, uh, has implications uh, to a worldview that the church uh, doesn't support, uh, majority of uh, of scriptural based churches at least, and you know that uh, that's something that a church would need to use wisely. Uh, yes, you know, and discretion and discernment is necessary whenever you're using a symbol because symbols in and of themselves are something that are loaded uh, with messaging and if you're going to use one you have to make sure that those who are going to see it are going to understand it rightfully yeah and i think i think some of this discussion comes from the fact that so many americans are just averse to symbols in the first place. Like, we don't mm-hmm. really get it. And I think particularly among uh, certain Protestant and Reformed strains, uh, not, not so much Reformed strains, I, I'll back up, more so general evangelical strains uh, want to treat symbols as basically carrying no weight, yeah. if that makes sense, where, where many evangelicals will preface baptism with, this is just a symbol. Well, no, it's not. It is a symbol, but it's also more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know that even within the Reformed and Lutheran world, there's differences, sure. obviously. There are differences, yeah. But, but yes, it is a but, symbol. But, but even it, in the Lutheran understanding of baptism, there is symbolism. Right, right. You know, and, so we don't escape that, yeah. Yeah, so, so symbols carry weight to them like that symbol of baptism 
signifies your your dying and being raised with Christ. And so, what what do the symbols? I, here's here's the here's a good question to ask all of our listeners: Is what what are you telling people about yourself by the symbols that you display? Hmm. So not just not just Confederate stuff, <laughs> but yeah, your own bumper stickers, the T-shirts that you wear. You know, there there are some T-shirts that I just won't wear for church. And I and I often wear a T-shirt to church, but there are mm-hmm. some that would be distracting, even though they yeah. might not be sinful in and of themselves to be a distraction. Corporate worship, I'm not going to go there. Yeah, most it's yeah. mostly metal band shirts, like my well, sure. my August Burns red shirt that says "Angry Music for Happy People." I'm just not going <laughs> to go there. <laughs> it's a fine shirt, but I'm not going to go there on a Sunday yeah. morning, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, even though everyone associates Lutherans with uh, with heavy drinking, I mean, you're not going to see they're uh, not some, wrong. You're, you're not you're <laughs> not going to see someone with a, a Marlboro Miles guitar strap up on the platform, you know, or or uh, not Marlboro <laughs> Miles, uh, uh, like a Budweiser, you know, like a you know, that's not beer anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I, I'm really ashamed of this. So. Uh, we need to. We probably need to wrap things up. But one quick yeah. final thought. So, obviously, I've always known the uh, the tulip uh, tap, right? Uh, yes. Is is the tulip five points of Calvinism, so on and so forth. Um, it was probably a few weeks ago that I I don't know I was just drawing something stu- and I I drew what I I called a rose and Kelly's like that's not a rose that's a tulip and he looked at it and was like. I drew the W on the Westminster Effects logo. That's a tulip. <laughs> Holy crap! And I, I oh, just awesome. realized it, and I'm like, oh my gosh! And so, speaking of symbols, there, there, there you go. There um, we go. Yeah. So, well done. Well yeah. done, sir. I'm, I'm a smart there? cookie. <laughs> yeah, let's leave it there. Let's see if yeah. I get banned from anywhere. I shouldn't. Nah, doubtful. I just, I just said, I just told everyone to not. Display the Confederate flag. If somebody bans yeah, me over that, do, then yeah, do not. Uh, the Westminster Vex Doxology Podcast uh, does, does not does endorse not, the flag of the does, Confederate flag. No, not not at all. And, all uh, I'm saying is to treat historical figures like real people. Yeah, don't don't turn them into a cartoon. So. Follow us, comment, Facebook and Instagram. You can subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Hey, make sure you share the show. If you see it on Facebook, Instagram, make sure you show it. Get the word out. You can support the show, etc. And email me when you do so I can hook you up with stuff. So, I don't know what I'm leaving you with. I don't know what we're doing anymore. Uh, We'll see if I I get Adoration Invocation uh, mastered up. And uh, maybe I'll attack that on the end. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe I'll end up getting a, a Squire Paranormal Tornado tomorrow. I don't know. And then and, and then you and, can do a Will at P Dubs episode. Yeah, there, there we go. We'll uh, we'll see what happens. And if any of you listeners have a bead on Orange Tornado that you'd be willing to give me, um, that's my desperate cry for help. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>